don't feel that even the most inconsequential tidbit of your life doesn't matter to the audience because you will be surprised at what resonates with the people on the other end of that screen. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 81st episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Eric Cook to the show. Eric has over 15 years of experience as a recovering banker who, since 2007, has been running a digital agency focused on helping community banks and most recently has created a mastermind community called The Link Banker to help bankers connect even better with their communities and their audiences. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's surreal to be here because I take you for bike rides and runs all the time, so I now... Uh, I'm debating whether I'm going to actually listen to this episode or just <laughs> skip over it, but well, it's cool to be on the show. Thanks for having me, man. That's awesome. That's like so meta. Like, um, <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because sometimes you know my wife will be in the car and a podcast will start. Sometimes it's mine. She's like, "Are you listening to yourself again?" I said, "No. It's just it's just the next one in the queue." She goes. That is so weird. That is so weird. It just happens. Honestly, honey, I had nothing to do with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got to ask, man, you you talk about biking, you you know, you talk about going on runs. What's one good thing for you right now, now that spring has started to to spring up and I think we're going to get some better, better weather ahead, hopefully for all of us around the world. Well, uh, well, spring sprung and then it unsprung. So we've got some snow here, but uh, we've recently moved up to Northern Michigan And over the winter, I actually bought studded tires for my fat bike and uh, had gotten in some really cool rides out on the lake. And just this past weekend, I got the regular mountain bike out, which was a treat to myself as a 50th birthday present of last year. COVID ruined my 50 birthday bash, so I got to figure out a way to bring it in. But I did manage to pull the trigger on a pretty trick Yeti mountain bike, full suspension for these old man bones, and I got out. tooled around the neighborhood and enjoyed just some time on my new bike. And, uh, it was just good to be outdoors. I can't wait to hit the trails, man. That is awesome. And I cannot wait to, to continue to join, join you on those, those rides and those runs. So thank you for, for bringing me along for the ride. It's always good to, to be with like minds. And speaking of being with like minds, you know, all the work that you're doing, we're going to talk about building relationships in this digital world. And can we go back and do a little bit of reflection when we look at everything that has transpired, we're you know pretty much right at the one year anniversary of yeah. this COVID pandemic that we're all still working to navigate through together. But what have been the biggest relationships when you go back, because you say you're a recovering banker, what have been the biggest lessons that you've gained personally? And how have you built these relationships, say different than what a banker might normally do in the physical world, but in that of the digital world? You know, I I think, and I kind of go 
on and off the wagon a little bit. Every once in a while, I'll get roped into work and I'll drop off and then I'll realize that I need to do a better job displaying or conveying the human side of you and your business to the rest of the world so that they get a sense of who you are as a person, not just as a business professional, not as a digital marketer or not as a banker, but who it is that you really are and to be able to use to the extent that you're comfortable, because I understand that everybody's ready to put that out there, but to be able to use digital technology to allow people to get to know you, because I had the fortune of growing up, and at the time I didn't realize that this was the case, but my father was a community banker for 33 years. And I was always amazed whenever we went to the grocery store or we went to a basketball game, everybody knew Charlie Cook. And everybody knew what he did. Everybody knew he loved to play softball and he played basketball and he, you know, they knew all of his stuff, but it was because he was a community banker in a small community and a small ecosystem. But that's why the bank was so successful is they knew Charlie Cook as Charlie Cook. Some of them even called him Bruce because that's the name he used when he grew up because my grandpa's name was Charlie. And social media, the revelation that I've had is it takes that small little experience that my father got to enjoy in his home little martial environment, and it allows for you to amplify that to the extent that you're comfortable allowing people from all over to get to know you. And I'll oftentimes, not now, but when I used to go to conferences, people would come up and go, I love your dogs, because I post a lot about golden retrievers and the cook dogs. And they knew my dogs, they knew their names, they knew that I loved to bike, they knew the, the things about me. And, and it's those are the relationships that still exist to this day. And I think a lot of times people discredit the importance of allowing that human side to come through on social media, because there is a sense of vulnerability there. Absolutely. And, you know, this idea of vulnerability, and when we think about bankers, this is where they've thrived in the community, the physical space of the real world. But community, and COVID has shown us this probably more than ever before, community has been redefined to be borderless. Community has a much broader scope to where it's not boundaries or zip codes or counties or states or countries. I think communities is is, is really now like ideals and you know do we share a common value or a common your dogs right i mean you have people who really love dogs and a a brand affinity to that i think of is is and i wrote about this in in the book is chewy.com you know it's 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 a community of, of, of pet lovers what are the opportunities for bankers to build this affinity to build these relationships outside of the physical world and move them into the digital, how can we overcome maybe some of the mindsets that block us even just starting that journey to begin with in the first place? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And just one more like squirrel jumped into my head as it relates to dogs. We actually had the chairman of the board of one of the banks that we ended up getting the fortune to work with, who told us after the fact that he has a written maybe it's not written, maybe it's unwritten, but an unwritten policy that he will not work with a vendor that doesn't have dogs because he used that as a gauge of character and they were big dog people. We didn't know that at the time, but he pulled me aside afterwards and he goes, I want you to know what, you know, we chose you for your technical ability, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that you have dogs 
tells me that you are compassionate, that you have the ability to care for something other than yourself. And he just had this, and it gave me goosebumps. And he knew that because he followed me on social media. So don't feel that even the most inconsequential tidbit of your life doesn't matter to the audience because you will be surprised at what resonates with the people on the other end of that screen. It's funny, you're, you're talking about dogs and I'm going to address that. So my wife and I, our kids have been wanting a dog for the longest time. And we have yeah. four kids that are 10, eight, six, and four. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to poke back a little bit about that comment. Like we don't have a dog. We have four kids and my kids are like, we want another, we want a dog. I'm like, I don't want a fifth kid right now. <laughs> Wait till they get a little bit older because that's like literally, I mean, I could not imagine adding all and you know that to the mix a little and, and my wife, she's already found the puppy that she wants like cute little thing. And I'm like, just two more years, two more years, babe. Because, you know, if we can get our youngest to six, I think the survival rate for that little puppy is going to shoot up exponentially. Absolutely. Exactly. That's a great, that's a great point though. I like that. Yeah. I like that, that, that idea of, 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 I think it's connection and belonging. And that's what we're oh, yeah. all, we're really all seeking that at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Now, if at the end of the day, he was a cat person it might've been a completely different story. I like cats. I'm just allergic to them. So it's not like any of your listeners that are cat people think <laughs> that I have anti anti kitty cat feelings. Cause that's not the case. I'll love up a kitty and then I'll pay for it later on with itchy eyes and sneezing. So I'm just a big animal lover at heart. But I think the original question, if I go back and remember what it was before I went on my dog tangent was a lot of bankers that we talk to are resistant to participate in social media because I think the the thought or the fear is, or maybe the reality is one, they're not maybe allowed to participate while they're at the office due to technological constraints and security concerns. They may be suggested not to participate because of compliance and trigger terms and other sorts of regulatory pressure that we have to be cognizant of. But at the end of the day, being comfortable talking about yourself and the things that really don't have anything to do with banking that would cause compliance or security or privacy, but put the customer at the end of the discussion and what is it that they are interested in knowing, learning, wanting to know. I mean, I've read your book. We were part of your book club and you have a very apparent focus on putting the customer at the heart of everything that you do and not focusing on, look what we're doing as a bank. It's what do they want to know? What are they looking for? And producing content that answers those questions. And a lot of times that might not be content that has anything to do. You are a busy professional with four young children and probably are time starved and wondering how you're gonna get it done in the day. And if I'm a commercial lender interested in attracting you as a potential client to my bank, it's going to behoove me to share content around time management, efficiency tricks, ways to get more done, things that will resonate with you. And you'll think, wow, that's really helpful. That's really great. That's really interesting. Not really knowing that you're building a relationship with me, but when the time comes that you have a banking or a financial need, I'll have put enough coin in that karma bucket that I likely will get invited to that conversation and I can serve you at that point with a financial need when you're ready for it, not when I want to sell it to you. 
I love that. that the, the coin and the karma bucket are what I call making deposits into a consumer's trust fund that sits between their ears. You're speaking to actually what Greg Martin talked about in episode 70 when it comes to building a personal brand. It means investing in yourself and the work that he's done you know, as a commercial lender for a big six at, at Truist. And that's what he said. He's like, I never talk about banking in this social world because of the compliance. And he's branded himself the entrepreneur's banker because it's back to what you're talking about is what can he do to empower the entrepreneur, to educate the entrepreneur, to elevate the entrepreneur. And oh, by the way, when the entrepreneur has some type of a commercial lending need, who's he going to go to? It's going to go to Greg because Greg has taken the time to make those deposits, to put the coin in the karma bucket. It's a big thought. It's a big idea. You and I were talking about this before. One of the best ways to kind of maybe get some of these mindsets and shift them a little bit is to find inspiration in others. Find others who might be doing this. Anyone that you could recommend that you've seen just kind of take some of this and and, and have the courage to lead. I'm going to mention a name which is very unoriginal, but I still think she is amazing. But Jill Castile at Citizens Bank. 100%. And for anybody that doesn't know her, no judgment, but I would suspect that the vast majority of your listeners are going to say, yeah, but give me another name. But hers jumps into my head for a number of reasons. One, I've had the pleasure of meeting her in person. I remember it was a national convention. I knew somebody that worked at the association. I knew that Jill was going to be there. We had connected loosely through Twitter and exchanged some social chit chat back and forth, but had never really even talked on the phone or seen each other in person. And we exchanged this social dialogue through Twitter for almost a year. And when we got together in New Orleans at this convention, we met down at the lobby to go to dinner. And before we even shook hands or said hello, we just gave each other a big hug because I felt like I knew her to the extent that I could give her a hug and she felt the same for me. And dinner was amazing. It was like talking to an old friend and she very quickly became aware of using social media as a way to humanize herself, given the challenges that citizens. And if you've not heard her journey is turnaround. Yeah. You know, sitting in the hair salon at the beautician's chair and having the beautician talking about this evil witch that's taking over the bank and how she's doing so many bad things and firing people and having to admit that she's the CEO that they're (laughs) talking about. And they just couldn't believe that she was such a sweet person, but what they're hearing about her. And she was not only able to leverage that as a brand builder for her, but turned the tide for her bank. And she's then since used it to not just build relationships with me that initiate in a first meeting hug, But to the extent even at PPP, her relationship with Mark Cuban and the PPP.bank initiative and everything that she's doing for the industry as a whole, not just for Jill, not just for citizens, but for the industry and for consumers in general, none of that would be possible if it wasn't for her embracing and building social as part of a cultural expectation. It, It is a unconscious competency of hers that it is part of just like brushing her teeth or reading the Wall Street Journal, communicating and sharing is just what is part of her her fiber. And I think 
that's the top of the mountain, in my opinion. If you want inspiration, I go to her. And she's just such a freaking sweetheart. You just can't help but love her. She's awesome. Technology has transformed our world, and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now, consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to, because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. Communication and sharing. And, you know, another person who's going to be coming on here soon is Paul Long, who has has been doing a a great job. And in our pre-interview the other day, he had mentioned, give more than you take. Give more than you take. A couple other people, I mean, Jill, I just pulled her up here on LinkedIn, and she literally is referencing and reflecting one year ago, this is 33 minutes ago, one year ago today, I met with the Tower Theater team and was educated on the anticipated impact of COVID. And I've seen that video. She actually has a, a video interview of the team from Tower Theater, which is a local business. And so they they talked about ways that they might be able to help. She said, that day was the hardest, one of the hardest days of my career but represented everything that I love about my work at Citizens Bank of Edmond. And then she goes on and she talks about, you know, the relationship with Mark Cuban and then it really kind of everything that, and that was just 33 minutes ago. This is like real time to see how she's using this platform to communicate and share, not just what she's doing, but the good works that others are doing. I can't help but think of um, who else is doing this. Alec Hansen over at Loan Depot, Casey Crawford over at Movement Mortgage, Carrie Ann Benton Stimson, who's been a guest of this show down at, she's a chief marketing officer down at JMMB, who's running a podcast called the Internal Marketing Podcast. So there's a lot of inspiration out there, I think that can help provide some hope. You know, when we look at this, in addition to maybe it's just mindset, what might be some of the other roadblocks that could stand in the way of a banker really committing to building relationships online? I think there, and I mentioned Jill's unconscious competency. And if you think of those four stages, you're you're unconsciously incompetent, you don't know what you don't know. Then you're consciously incompetent where you know you don't know these things and you feel stupid and you're frustrated. And then you work towards conscious competency where you have to think about it, but you remember to do this, you remember to do that. I think a lot of bankers are fearful of going through that process. And many of them are maybe stuck in that unconscious incompetency. They don't know what they don't know. They don't, they don't understand why they should be doing it. I'm hoping that they're listening to podcasts like yours and reading things outside of the box and listening to other people mention. So, you know, they should pause this and go back and pick up on the names 
that you mentioned and figure out how to follow them, how to connect with them, how to see what sort of information they're sharing and how to pay attention to what they're doing because it is a learning process and you are learning something that you were not hired to do. A lot of bankers that we talked to were hired to do loans. They're hired to help people buy a house. They're hired to take transactions and to open accounts. They weren't hired to be advocates and bullhorns and distributors of information for themselves, let alone their institution on social media. Yet that's what the world is becoming. And we want to understand not just the bank, but the banker behind it. That was one of the things my father told me early in my career. People will want to bank with you because they see you as their banker, not just because you work at the bank. And they will call you at home and the ATM doesn't work. And they will pull you aside at the grocery store because they value your opinion and you need to make that available. So being open to learning, trying new things, I think there's also a sense the growing importance of video in a way to humanize yourself and to let people see you and you can see other people. Most people don't like to see themselves on camera. We ran into it even back when I was at a bank, we would want to get a group shot and we would have some employees that just wouldn't want to be in the picture because I don't like the way my picture is taken. We need to get over that. People want to see us and we have to be okay with that and realize that the first time you go on camera, it's likely going to be awkward and you probably aren't going to look great, but the next time is going to be better and better. You have to focus on what the future is going to hold for you and how it will improve, not get yourself bummed out about the fact that, you know, I look really dumb on camera, so I can't do this. You know, I've done a lot of coaching with executives around that idea. I'll never forget. It was March. It was, it was a year ago. So it was March of 2020. And it was a group of about 30 CEOs and everyone was confused. They were frustrated. They were overwhelmed. And they were like, so what's the best way for us to communicate with our account holders? I said, you want the best way? It's going to make you uncomfortable. You want the best way? I said, yeah. Drum roll, please. Hop on Facebook Live and and start streaming. I said, "The, the best way to communicate courage in a time of crisis to your account holders is not through a published polished PR statement that you put out. You get on and you lead with courage and people can see you, people can hear you, and people will connect with you. And I could just see the fear because it was on Zoom. Oh, totally. And you could see the, the people just go white. And I said, look, the very first time like like other first times it's kind of an awkward situation <laughs> but you do you get used to it and you get better and you keep doing it and sometimes you might need to take a shot of whiskey or a shot of tequila before and that's okay cuz look truth be told you're talking to a person who's on video podcast stages in the early days, and there are videos in an archive somewhere, and maybe I had to go find them and release them, they're pretty painful to watch because I look awkward and I look uncomfortable, but it's like you just, you got to keep leaning into that fear with courage to get to the other side. And what what has helped me with all of this 
is not to, I don't worry about myself anymore. I worry about why I'm doing this, the banker. And more than that, it's the banker account holders and the financial brand account holders, the credit union account holders. Like what happens if, if these community institutions crumble and fall because we're just not able to make the, the, the transformations needed to continue to move path down a path of digital growth? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the, and I've seen the same deer in headlights, oh my gosh, moments when I've said that exact same thing. You need to go on, people need to see you. And even from an internal perspective, when your employees are wondering what's going on and how are we going to survive, an email might not cut it. You might need to figure out, and there are platforms out there that you can use. I mean, I'm using a platform called Loom almost on a daily basis, where instead of me emailing customers or even communicating with my colleagues, I fire up a Loom, I do a five-minute video, I explain things, they can see me, they know what's going on, it comes across way better than I could ever type. And now the benefit of that on the other end, I get so many positive comments around one, they think I'm a techno wizard because I've been able to figure out how to use a free software like Loom to be able to record a video and send it to them in an email, which is not that difficult, people. But you differentiate yourself and they get to see you at the same time. And there's other analytics and other sorts of things behind the scenes that you can even see when they're watching it, which makes it even more interesting from a marketing conversion perspective. But at the end of the day, it's that having the courage to let people see you and to be able to communicate is so important. Okay, that's it right there. Like what you just hit on, because one of the things I, I love doing in this podcast is what's an actionable item, a micro win, a micro commitment that someone can make today or tomorrow to just start doing something and build a new habit. Because when you think about habit formation, I, I'm going I'm to start a new habit. I'm going to start a, a, a new process, a new rhythm. And I, I don't think that's the right way to go about it because you have to replace bad habits with good habits. And so the habit formation is this. Step one, go to Loom because it's a platform that I use and there's there's Soapbox by Wistia, there's Vidyard, there's a couple Vidyard. of, yep. yeah, but but I think Loom has simplified this. Video Bomb Bomb is another one as well, but I think Loom has simplified this to where you literally can hit record on your phone or on, on your laptop, you talk, and then I think the neat thing, getting really practical and tactical, is it creates an animated GIF. Is it a GIF or a GIF? Because we always go back and forth. I say GIF. I know that there's a lot of people that say GIF, but I'm That's not, a peanut butter, though. It's GIF. Yeah, I say GIF. So it's a GIF. Yeah, that's what I say, but I'm probably wrong. Because then you can slap that into an email, send that, and, and start small. Do this internally in a safe space. You know, send this to a team member and, and show, give them a gift of gratitude. Thank them for the good work that they've recently done. And that's step one. And it's something that everyone listening to this podcast can commit to do and really flex those muscles, you know, real time. And like you, I do this almost every day because it's asynchronous. Imagine like how much time you'd save in like, like status update meetings. If we just took five minutes and recorded a loom and then we could watch them like on the bike run, bike run bike run, bike ride, or while we're I running. I athlons and that's run, bike, run. So you were pretty close. So you but, get that. but even like in LinkedIn, it's that 60 seconds, micro commitment, yep. major implications on the other side. I want to ask a follow-up to this. 
What is a, a common belief that let's say this industry has at large about what we're talking about, social media, social sure. engagement, building relationships sure. that you commonly dis- that, that, that you disagree with? The one I hear a lot is there's no way to measure effectiveness. I can't calculate an ROI in social media <laughs> because they're thinking of it as being, I run an advertisement in the newspaper for a CD special. I can sit down at the end of the day, the month, the week, whatever, and see how much money I generated for that particular CD product. And I can run the numbers. And to me as a banker, when I start looking at dollars and cents and interest rates, I can calculate that. And I have a clear understanding of X number of dollars to advertise produced Y number of dollars in certificate deposits. So now I know what the return on that investment is. The shift in the mindset here is your return on your time in social, or in many cases, digital, unless it's a specific advertising campaign that's very targeted for a financial outcome. But your return is not dollars and cents. It's engagement, it's interaction, it's comments, it's that future relationship then I often will say, well, what's the ROI to answering your telephone or responding to an email or getting back to somebody in a text message? There's no hard dollar sense to that, but we know the better that you do in those things, the better you're going to grow your business and the more business that likely will come your way. So we have to think of ROE and not return on equity, but return on engagement. engagement. And what are the engagement indicators that are telling us that people are paying attention to what we're saying, liking it, don't post something and then never go back and thank people for their comments, because then you're being a poor brand ambassador of yourself, where you're just broadcasting stuff and hoping everybody sees it. You're doing this to spark a conversation, which is engagement. And Mari Smith, who is the Pied Piper of all things Facebook, and she's another amazing social media person that I would suggest you follow. But she has a saying that I paraphrase, but content is king, but engagement is queen, and she holds the keys to the castle. (laughs) Because you have to produce content that people are interested in based off of you knowing what their needs and wants and fears and desires are. But at the end of the day, they they crave engagement and interactivity with you. And you want to turn those conversations into relationships that will have the possibility of leading to an actual financial relationship at some point down the road. Without any of that, it's not going to happen. Well, you know, I'm going to fall back on Jay Palter. We had a great conversation. I forgot what episode this was. but this was one that I listened to on a cross-country ski excursion. I can't help but think, and I might ruffle some feathers with this, what's the ROI of your golf game? Yeah. If you go out by yourself, probably not a whole lot, but how many deals have been done on the golf course? Exactly. As a result, you know, there's... There's not a question of that because we know that this is how relationships are made. Yes. That is a social activity. It just happens to be, you know, with maybe some fizzy beverages and a golf cart and some sunshine. Deals are done. Like, like, and that's the thing. It's like, if we can take that type of thinking, and that's one of the things that J- Jay was talking about. It's like, we could take, you know, five hours to go play a game of golf and get a deal done. We could take one minute and send a loom video or take that loom video and publish it into LinkedIn and reach instead of five people, we reach 50 people. Now we got a 10 X multiplier and 
as people engage, the LinkedIn algorithm kicks in and more engagement follows. Maybe uh, just another idea just popped into my head. You talk about immediate engagement. Let's take video completely out of the equation right now. I'm going to assume that a vast majority of your listeners have LinkedIn and maybe don't do it right now because you want to listen to the rest of this podcast because I don't know what else is coming up, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. But when this is done, make a mental note to hop into LinkedIn, go into your messages on your mobile device, find somebody that you feel is deserving of thanks or gratitude and press the little microphone button that will allow for you to leave them a 60 second voicemail message. James Robert, I just wanted to thank you for having you on my podcast. I love talking about this, but more importantly, I love talking about this with people that are as passionate about this as I am. And I really hope that we had the opportunity to meet some people and to inspire them to change their ways and to make their customers and their communities better. I'm going to probably leave that exact voicemail message for you when I'm done. That is something you can do right now. You should do it right now. That expression of gratitude. You don't have yeah. to do air. You don't have to know where your background is or worry about what's behind you. Simple voicemail through a one-to-one private message, letting somebody know that you care. Do that once or twice a week to people that mean something to you. You're going to be more comfortable with the process. Then now all of a sudden video is not as scary. Hundred percent. So yeah. Your whole do one thing now just that that got me inspired. So may I build on your thought a little bit for the for for the dear listener? Absolutely. So you're you're actually tapping into a methodology that we call tag because as kids we play game of tag, right? You know, it's it's fun. Tag, you're it. So tag is an acronym, and I have a lot because it's the only way that this ADD mind remembers stuff. Tag is you thank them. So, and, and this is all about like one-to-one direct messaging on any social platform, LinkedIn, Insta, Facebook, you know, I, I'm not, I don't care. You thank them. Like when was the last time that you thanked the people that have been following you? You thank them. Then you ask them, ask them what's a question that you might be able to help answer for them, or what's one thing that you could do to help make their year even that much better. And then the G is you guide them. And that's where now that message can come back. Once again, it could just be voice of a response, an answer to where you're providing guidance. That's a five minute experience to where, you know, another way to look at this is like what I call one a days. And, you know, back in sports, we had the two a days. Those were painful. Let's just do a one a day. (laughs) Follow one person a day connect with them, you know, comment on someone's stuff once a day, engage like someone's stuff once a day, and then create something original once a day, and then share something from someone else once a day, five things once a day. And it's about building the habit of just getting more comfortable. And, you know, over the course of, you know, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months, quarters, quarters, years, you'll be just as comfortable as Jill, right? Absolutely. Because, I've had conversations. I mean, her first tweet was petrifying. She sent it right after their bank just got their order lifted. And should I do this? Should I not? I mean, she heard about it from her kids and (laughs) that today. So yeah. And they all started somewhere. They all started somewhere. I mean, even the best, you know, of, of social media and love him or hate him, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, and, and, 
and 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 he's got and he's got a great perspective you know when asked about the roi of social media there's an article go google it what's the roi of your mom like you can't put a, a dollar amount to everything that, that that our moms did for us and i thought it was a really great perspective man eric this has been this has been so much fun thanks for the Absolutely. great conversation i feel like we could go on forever but uh we probably shouldn't no well we, we got to do it again we got to do it again if if, I if love some- that if someone's listening, that. they want to connect with you. They want to continue this dialogue, conversation, discussion. What's the best way for them to reach out and say hello? I uh, I am on LinkedIn, uh, Eric Cook MBA. You can hop over to the linkedbanker.com and check out some of the cool mastermind stuff that we're doing over there. But yeah, Google me. I'm pretty available. And I think a vast majority of what you find will likely be good on Google. So <laughs> <laughs> listen, Eric, hey, thank you so much again for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. As always. And until next time, be well, do good and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.